the last couple of weeks, I've taken the devotional from this book by Max Licato, Anxious for Nothing. Excellent book. We all are anxious about something just about each and every day. We get some space. We get some relief every once in a while, but life has those anxieties. Some of them are things we deal with all the time. But then there are those major blow-ups. And in each situation, the minor ones or the blow-ups, whatever it is, Jesus Christ is there. I don't know if you've ever thought in these terms, but I have. I kind of like thinking about a friend. When you go through difficult times, you can wear a friend out just talking to them all the time by telephone and person. They don't want you to ask them coffee because you're going to start in and, and just keep going. And so I have thought at times that I was wearing God out. And so I would back off on the little things. But I sure unloaded on the big ones. And I found the peace that he promised. Each and every time. And you can define little in terms of what you consider little or what you consider major. And it might not be the same thing, same definition that the person sitting next to you defines, but it doesn't make any difference. It's you and your relationship with God. And now I have learned that all concerns, itty bitty ones, are the real big ones. I try to take them all to Him. And I find a special peace inside my heart that is different because I don't even try to carry those little ones without Him. Max Licato does his usual superb job in writing. I don't know how the individual can write so explicitly and colorfully. But today I'm, I'm going to go down a different road. And honestly, I'm nervous about it. But I have given it to the big boss. So uh, we'll just see how it flies because it's way beyond me. I have three books here that I have turned to. And I've mentioned a couple of them to you in the past. David Limbaugh, Jesus on Trial. He started out on this book trying to prove that Jesus was not the Savior. He was raised in a Christian home, but he got in with intellectuals in college, and as they sat around the coffee shop and discussing it, they were more convincing than he was. So he bought into their story that there's no God, there's no creator, and anybody that does believe that has uh, the brain of about a, a gnat. So he, he was setting out on this, and it was actually his publisher that asked him to write it, because usually he's a political author. So he started out with this attitude Jesus is a fake, and anybody that believes in him just uh, mentally challenged. And yet, in the book, he does such a great job of t 
touching base with scriptures, with the meaning of the Bible. Uh, he, he approaches it in a very intellectual way. And the bottom line is, yes, there is a genius that believes in Jesus Christ. Because usually they think of the, the slower people believing in it. But he knew many, many intelligent people or geniuses that believed in Jesus Christ. They had worked it through in their mind and they could stand with any skeptic intellectually or any other way that yes, there is a Jesus. Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And the correct case for Christ ended up having a movie made after, uh, made after this book and this is a situation where a reporter was an investigative reporter for our newspaper in Chicago, and he was using the same skills to prove there was not a, a Jesus. His wife was a believer, and it was creating all kinds of chaos in their family because he was so adamant that he wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. He didn't want to hear her talking about it at the dinner table. He didn't want her talking to the kids about it. And she was going to church, and he's, oh, no, now she's really getting radical. She's going to church. So he set out on that mission. And I believe they were living in uh, Pennsylvania. But anyway, he lived a long ways from California. And he flew out to California to meet with a scientist. And he, he went to all these different places. And she had no idea that he was investigating this story, but he was going to experts for input. Psychologists and, you know, historians, uh, theologians, anything. But he was determined, determined that he could prove there was no Jesus Christ. No resurrection. No Savior. And then there's this book that I've had alluded, uh, the one of Jesus Christ on trial. That author refers to this book, which is, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I don't have enough faith. Because it takes more faith in the unknown that they can't answer your questions, but they'll assume it's correct. And he's saying, I don't have that kind of faith to believe there is not a God. In the book of Genesis, and we might as well go back to the beginning, in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. In this universe, they say that there are billions 
of other galaxies. Every star that you see out there, and they say that you could count, they being scientists, that if you were to put the number on that, the number of the stars, it would equal all the, sand, the grains of sand on all of the beaches in the world. There's that many stars up there. That means there's that many solar systems up there. And they all work in unison. They have their moons. They have the rotations. They have their time schedules. And people can that are into stargazing can set a calendar on when they'll see it again, just like the moons when they say there's going to be another eclipse of the moon. They can tell you 10 years from now when it's going to happen. That is how well this world of ours is orchestrated. Now, there are those that would say that all of this began with a big bang. And it just exploded. And now everything's here and it works in perfect harmony. The streams roll down and gravity pulls it down to the oceans. And you've got all of the fish in the ocean and their lifestyles. And you've got animals on the land. You've got uh, the birds of the air. And it all happened from a great explosion. And it's all coordinated. I mean, we were singing this morning about the streams going down to the ocean and how beautiful it is. You have trout, you have salmon that have their annual ritual going up to where they were born for breeding grounds. And it's been going on forever. Watch the eagles. Watch their, oh, so majestically flying. But around here, I haven't seen a, uh, an eagle. But I've seen dove. I've seen quail. I've seen, you know, uh, blue jays. I've seen these beautiful creations. And it's not an accident. Not in my heart. We can go back to the DNA that you and I have. You know, the DNA, you know, that's the makeup for all of us. That's what determines the color of the, the eyes, the, the color of your hair, the, you know, your skin tones. All of these things are all made up by the DNA. But it's not just you and me. Birds have DNA, flowers have DNA, the deer do. I mean, all of us, DNA is in everything and it makes it all work. And then we're, we're coordinated. We're all coordinated in the standpoint of how our body works. When I was in high school, I had the second smallest feet on the football team. The other guy was about four or five inches shorter. And one time the coach says, your feet are so small, I don't know how you even stand up on them. DNA. DNA. Said that if we, again, scientists say, if we put all the DNA together that's in one body, and they're very, very small, the DNA is not something that you're going to pick up and just... 
It's not like uh, a pen, a head of a pen or anything. They're so tiny. But they said that the, the scientists said the DNA would be enough to go to the uh, sun and back. And that determines everything about you, about me. And I cannot imagine that a great explosion created all of this in all of the animals. You know, if a giraffe, when giraffes have babies, you don't end up with a zebra. Whales don't end up with sharks as babies. It's all carrying on. You know, we think it's a big deal. If two individuals have dark hair and they have a baby that has blonde hair, where did they get that? My son is like 6'4". And people say, where did he get his height? You know, I can see where they'd ask that question. Well, his granddads were tall. You know, it's the DNA that makes the difference. And I cannot personally see how anyone Anyone would think that we are stupid when they believe all of this came about with an explosion. You know, when I was a kid and we'd get those cherry bombs and we'd tie them together, put them under a can to see how I'd shoot up that that tin can. Or do the same thing with fireworks, firecrackers. But I never saw anything constructive come out of it. You know, there's bits of tin cans here and there. Nothing constructive. And I'm to believe that if I'd have left it there a million years, it'd still be the same thing, but it'd be rusted. So the evolution theory, really, really, I mean, how long does it take? We know man's been around for thousands of years, some say even millions, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, a long time. And whatever we were then, we still are. So what's this evolution that we're doing? Are we going to turn into a frog? Are we going to turn into an eagle? I mean, what is the, you know, the scientists looking at us has not given us warning about the evolution and what we're going to turn into. We were at the creation, men and women. We are today, men and women. When the book of Genesis was written, we have the seven days in which God created the world. The first day, there was light. There was light and darkness. The second day, sky and water, water separated. Third day, land and seas, water gathered, vegetation gathered. Uh, started fourth day the sun the moon and the stars the fifth day fish and birds the sixth day animals man and woman there's a lot of very smart people that argue how long a day is in God's time the word says it's thousand of our years is one day to his, and then they argue about that, and I said it was very intelligent people, so I don't get in on that discussion, 
But I know the bottom line is God created you and me. And each one of us separate. You know, man can't even create an eyeball that'll work. Most less a whole body. My goodness. They research it, they study it, they understand it. But man to create it? No. It's kind of like someone was talking to a scientist and he said he could create man. And he reached over and he he picked up some dirt to begin. And the other guy said, no, no. There was no dirt. You got to start this from zero. Zero cannot create something. And that's what the atheists would tell you, the scholarly people. Nothing created this great universe that you and I live in. There is a God. And I want you to feel comfortable in in expressing your faith to others that may challenge you. This doesn't happen every day to me. It, It has happened only a few times in my entire life. But I'd like for you to feel comfortable with knowing that from the beginning there was a God. There was a God. It's not an accident. This is a a well-planned universe that we are a part of. People will say, well, where did God come from? Well, when I get in heaven, I'll ask him. I just know it was God that created everything. There's things in that Bible I don't understand. But the more I study, the more I do understand. If I just leave it over there on a shelf, then no, it just won't come to me. But as I study it, study these readings, then I'll have these aha moments. Now I get it. Because it's in there. It's in there, and it is not an accident. It is not an accident. Any of this creation and the way we live in conjunction with the animals, with the trees, with the streams. You know, there's no accident. There is a God, and God planned this all out, every step of the way. I say that God was with me when I was on those helicopters, and I believe that He brought me through. And I'm thankful for the doctors, and I thanked my gastroenterologist and my cardiologist for bringing me through. But I know who the greatest physician of all is. When Dr. Lane said he didn't think I'd live long enough to get to the Lubbock, I knew who, who was the great doctor, who was with me. And I know he's not finished with me. And he's not finished with you. We all have things to do. And hopefully we will remember the great creator and we will be doing things for Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Don't let anybody ever put you in the corner and call you names because you're a believer. Stand solid with your faith. The word of Jesus Christ, which we believe, all of us believe, He told His disciples, do not worry about what you will say when you are arrested. He tells me, Wayne, don't be concerned about what you're going to say on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, for I've got you. 
And I don't want y'all to think I'm some kind of weirdo. But I honestly have no trepidation when I step out here in front of you. For he is always with me. Always. And I can't wait to see what he has in store. I can't wait. It has been so exciting up to this point. I can't wait to see what else he has in store for me. You young men here, you may have people in school that get on your case that there's no God. They'll tell you that and they'll call you names because you do believe. But stand firm. Stand firm because you are standing with Jesus Christ. Your strength comes from Him. Next week we're going to go deeper into the Bible for the Bible itself is also challenged by many, many of the scholarly type. But I, for one, believe every word that's written down in there, and I do not believe the Bible is an accident. There's too many things that happened to pull that all together for it to be an accident. The whole Bible has to be an inspiration. With the 66 authors, every one of them had a connection with our Lord and Savior, and it all comes together and flows from Genesis to Revelation. It is no accident. The world we live in is no accident. It's a gift. A gift from our Lord and our Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have together to worship you. There's not a single person in here that would have shown up if they didn't believe in you. There's other things they could do. But they came into your house to worship you because they believe in you. And we all believe in you are the great creator for all that we see and know is perfect, is perfect. Go with us now, Lord, and give us the strength when challenged to stand firm on the rock. The rock, the foundation, is our Lord and our Savior. And it's in your name, Lord, that we pray. Amen.